after uh, hopefully a couple of days of rest and relaxation maybe that you're not used to for most of you anyway. Some of you may have had to work, but hope you had a uh, excellent Thanksgiving holiday. Got uh, plenty to eat, I'm sure like most of us, more than we needed, but um, God is good. Thank you for being here. Uh, for any of our guests, we want to welcome you, and you are uh, you are welcome here in this place this morning. We thank you for coming. Uh, thank you, each one of you. It's, it's getting a little bit cooler, a little bit colder in the mornings, but uh, I like that fresh, crisp air in the mornings. But uh, thank you for coming. Anybody that's a guest for the first time, we have restrooms. If you go out those doors and down the stairs, or if you need to, uh, you can go through this door up here, and there's restrooms on the left here. Um, just a couple in the way of announcements, a couple of announcements real quick. Um, just want to mention the, uh, the SOCOM, the uh, School of Kingdom Ministry. Uh, the sign-ups are going to end next Sunday, so if you're interested in that, please, uh, please go on there and, uh, and get signed up for that, uh, for that uh, School of Ministry, Kingdom, the Kingdom Ministry, um, in January. So that, uh, the sign-ups will end next Sunday. So the other announcement is the one we want to kind of focus on is the women's event. Um, and it's in the bulletin there. You've got a QR code where you can sign up or you can go to the website and uh, you'll find a place there that you can sign up. But want to make sure that all the women are aware of that and that you get signed up for, the, uh, for that women's uh, Come Let Us Adore Him. It's a night of fun and fellowship. Um, they do ask that you bring an appetizer to share with everyone. But uh, just a night of fellowship and worship together uh, for the Christmas season for, for the ladies. Uh, everyone's welcome to sign up there. Um, you can go on the website and do that as well. Um, and then the last one I wanted to mention today is uh, Faith Kids Christmas Party. Uh, this is for all the kids preschool to fifth grade. It'll be on December the 13th. And that's going to be from 6.30 to 8 p.m. So... Uh, there again, go to the website and get your kids signed up so that they'll know how many to prepare for. So um, just want to uh, mention those. It's amazing that, uh, or just, it's mind-blowing to me that Christmas is already here. It seems like we just got got into summer just recently, but here we are into fall now and cooler weather and Christmas uh, holidays upon us here in the next couple of weeks. So um, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we get started. Uh, just ask him to meet with us this morning and that uh, we would we would uh... Father we thank you for today thank you again for your your love for us Jesus we thank you for your sacrifice Father we thank you for your son and Jesus as we move into this holiday season and celebrate your birth Lord it just uh, it captures our heart to know that you would step out of a, out of heaven as king of kings and lord of lords and come to this earth as a, as a baby but we thank you for the life that you live for the example that you live and you gave us to follow help us to seek you Help us to follow you in everything that we do, in every step that we make. Father, we ask that you, your presence be here this morning. Holy Spirit, come as the praise team begins to sing, as we begin to worship you. 
Lord, we would sense your presence and that your kingdom would come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Are we ready to rejoice? You know, this morning is, yeah. Already got the streamers going, flags in the back. Let's stand. And, uh, you know, I was this morning during prayer time, uh, I was walking around and I was kind of drawn to the door back there. And as I looked at the the door that people enter from the outside and then this door, the Lord gave me that visual of the tabernacle of entering his courts and entering his gates. Like there's a progression of coming into the Lord's presence. And that's kind of what happens when we sing our songs. Uh, I don't always start upbeat, but a lot of times I do. And and that's kind of the progression. Uh, We come with thanksgiving. We come with praise. We come with rejoicing. And uh, this first song is called Forever. And in First Chronicles and also in a couple of the Psalms, it does this thing of give thanks to the Lord. And then the people would reply, his steadfast love endures forever. And then it goes on and on. And there was this back and forth. And that's kind of what the song does. So uh, let's go with it. And uh, I, just, I just declare freedom in the room today. Let's worship the Lord big. Forever he is faithful.
your soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name.
been so guilty of gluttony this week. God, we have feasted on food to the point of probably sinfulness, God. But you've invited us to your table where we can eat freely. Where we can indulge and overeat. God, we come to your table right now to feast on your presence. To feast on your love and to feast on your goodness. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good.
Can't be seated. Sorry. <sighs> you're good. You're good. So most of you guessed I'm not Charles. Uh, Charles was away this week uh, visiting and uh, a well-needed uh, getaway with his family, and um, so he asked me to come bring a word. And uh, so last couple weeks we've been in Habakkuk, but I'm going to jump to another prophet, and we're going to be in First Kings today. But for those that are visiting, um, we do 50 weeks in the Word, and this particular, uh, we do, each week we do one chapter, we do one verse, and we do a Bible study. And usually we do our Bible studies on Wednesday, but this particular Wednesday we did not meet for the holiday. But this week we are in Luke Chapter 15, verse 7. Bring it up there on the screen. There we go. All right, look at it. Take a quick glance. Do not feel bad if you don't have it memorized and you're a visitor. We're not going to condemn you, but um, for those that have, that have taken um, the stand that we will try to memorize one scripture a week. Uh, this is what it is. Look at it again. All right. Luke 15, 7. So just as I tell you, there more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, over 99 righteous persons who need to repent. Need no repentance, sorry. Luke 15, 7. All right, you may be seated. All right, so before we get into 
Bible study. Oh no. Did I knock it off? I did. It's all good. We're good. All right, so the title of my message today is God Brings Revival, and it's 1 Kings 18, verses 20 through 40. And what we're going to be looking today as Elijah the prophet is called by God to confront King Ahab and the nation of Israel for their total lack of disobedience, their total indignation of, of, of worshiping another god, and God's had enough. And he comes to Ahab or um, Elijah, and he says, "Bring him. Uh, you're going to confront him." And so he confronts him. But before we get there, uh, this week I was actually in um, in uh, food line, and uh, I was in the grocery store. I was getting some stuff, and and you know, for this week is Thanksgiving. You know, you're cooking like a madman and or woman, and everything, and you're trying to get everything you need and so I'm standing in line there's a little um there's an older lady in front of me um and I noticed her and her buggy was slammed to the gills and she I waited patiently and it was no big deal I didn't have anything to do um not like I'm working or anything like that so um I'm waiting patiently and um her her buggy was just mound of of groceries and you wouldn't think that she could get all this for the low, low price of $386. And she's looking at the register, and she's looking at her purse, she's looking at the register, and so she sticks the card in, and it's denied. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, somebody has to do the right thing. And my wife is sitting back there nervous, like, you didn't tell me any of this. Um, so... I'm standing behind her, and, and she tries another card, and it gets denied. And she's just looking just mortified. And so I did what any good standing human being would do to help her out. I helped her with her groceries, and we put it back on the shelf. It's a joke. <laughs> but do the right thing. All right, First Kings 18. 20 through 40. Trying to see if we can get that back up. I'm going to be actually, I thought I was going to be reading out of the uh, ESV, but I'm going to be reading out of my new King James. So it will still work out. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But Baal, follow him. But the people would not answer a word. Then Elijah came to the people. I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are four hundred and fifty men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls, and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood. But no fire under it. And I will prepare a bull, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under it. 
<clears throat> Excuse me. Then you call the name of your gods, and I will call the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire is God. So the people answered and said, It is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, You choose one bull for yourselves, and you prepare it for yourselves, and you, I'm sorry, choose it, one bull, for yourself, and prepare it first. For you are many, and call the name of your God, but put no fire under, under it. So they took the bull, which was given to them, and they prepared it, and they called on the name of Baal, morning till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. Not one answered. Then they leaped around the altar that they had made. And so it was at noon. And Elijah began to mock them. Which is kind of funny. Cry aloud, for he is God. Either he is meditating or he is busy. Or he's on a journey. Perhaps he is sleeping. He must be awakened. So they cried out aloud and cut themselves as was their custom, with knives and lances, until blood gushed out of them. And in midday passed, <clears throat> they prophesied, or, I'm sorry. And when midday had passed, the prophesied, the evening sacrifice, there was no voice, and no one answered, and no one paid attention. So then Elijah said to the people, come to me. So all the people came up to him and prepared and he repaired he repaired the altar not them but he did he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down and then Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had came saying Israel shall be your name and with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench around the large altar, enough to hold two sailors of seed. And he put in the wood, in the order, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, Fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice, on the wood. And he said, Do it a second time. Then he said, Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And so that the water ran out all around the altar, that he filled the trench with it. And it came to pass, the time of the offering and the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are the God of Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me, that your people may know that you are Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering. Not just that, but the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water, and that which was in the trench. And now when all the people had saw, they had fell to their faces, and they said, The Lord... He is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and executed them there.
Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. God, I just thank you for the opportunity to uh, be in your house. Lord, to be with fellow saints, to be with fellow believers. God, as we um, dive into your word and as we dive into this set of scriptures, um, I just ask that you would hide me behind the cross. God, that nothing that I would say would be from me, but Lord, that you would just use me. Use this empty vessel to speak to your people. God, I thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do in advance. We love you, Papa. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh. Trying to get it. Maybe it would help if I had it on. There we go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're good. One more. There we go. All right. So the great showdown. We got Elijah. We have... Ahab and the prophets of Baal on the physical realm. But in the spiritual realm, what we don't see is God over these tiny Baals. Over these false deities that these people worshipped. So what we're going to look at today is through faith, God makes us create courageous. See, it took the faith of Elijah to step out and confront Ahab. And then, again, a second time, to confront Ahab for a final battle showdown, WWE Rumble, Royal Rumble. Um, he comes to this through the faith that God has given him. And we must recognize we must recognize that if it's not of God, it's not of from Him. It's got to be from God. The faith, the courage to step out by yourself to do the right thing. Secondly, we're going to see, we're going to look and we're going to see how God shows His power when we walk in His obedience. So when we walk in faith, our courage pricks the heart of God to show His power to his people in the moment that we see Elijah calling on God to do the thing that only he can do. And finally, God answers the prayer of his prophet. When, we, when, we, when Elijah beckons God, when he sets the stage to only do the only thing that God can do, he calls on him. And not only does he call on him, but he remembers him in the present and what he's going to do and in, in God's past. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Israel. The things that you have done in the past, you will do to this day and the things to come because you are God. Elijah, who is he? Well... He was one of the most infamous 
and famous, dramatic, and dramatic of Israel prophets. He did some things that many of them were not able to do, were not given the chance to do. Um, he was rather quick. He could outrun a chariot, if you read later in the scripture. Um, he was given the word of God about the beginning and the end of the three-year drought. There were other prophets, and they were hidden. If you read into that story from Obadiah, he was a, Obadiah was a man that was feared of God, or he feared God, but he worked in the palace. But he hid prophets of God by fifties in caves, and he brought them food and water. And he did this just trying to preserve God's people. But Elijah, you know, he thought he was there by himself. And that was one of his downfalls, to be honest with you. Um, it's one of his uh, quirks or, or things that he didn't have to do because he wasn't by himself. But he, but he thought he was. But God gave him the word, go to Ahab in chapter 17, verse 1, and he basically comes out of the woodworks with nothing else being said about him up until this point. And he goes in and he says, no rain until I speak because you have been a wicked nation before our God. Another thing that Elijah that checks one of his uh, things that God has used him in, he, uh, he was used by God to restore a dead child to his mother. No other prophet, no other person has done this in the Bible up until this point. And another person does it again in the New Testament. And his name is Jesus. how God must looked upon him to give him that ability to walk in that power to restore a dead child to his mother. And in the New Testament, we see he appears with Moses and Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Who are we going up against? King Ahab and Jezebel. And I'm not going to get political, and I'm not going to talk about the um the spiritual side of this but Jezebel the woman but king Ahab was the most evil king of all Israel even up into five generations of kings in his family he married a Jezebel a pagan woman that allowed her to be promote the Baal worship her dad actually was um a king and a um a prophet of Asher that was given her name was uh, the actual name of Jezebel is um, belonging to Baal. So pretty much he sacrificed his family to and given over his daughters to a false deity, a false prophet, a false god, as you would say. Um and King Ahab was used to getting his way, but he'd get very depressed when he didn't get his way. He would pout, and he would basically console her, and she usually used him like a puppet. 
Jezebel killed most of the prophets of God except for those that were hidden in the cave by Obadiah, like I said just previously. And, and in doing so, um, she was trying to institute their regime, their false god, their worship of Baal who thought that uh, they would bring them water or money or wealth or whatever um, they would pray to uh, the false god about. She used her position to get her way. And these are the lineages of Ahab. As we see the kings on the uh, far left, the uh, southern kingdoms, and then the northern kings uh, starting in Jeroboam and ending in Ahab, Orem, Zemi, Elah, Bashah, Nabadah, and Jeroboam. These had it their way. They tried it their way. They sacrificed what they wanted to get their position, and God was not allowed into any of this. But he had had enough, and we needed to let God be God in this. So then this is when he confronts all of that. And what is so sad about this is you look, Ahab, through Orem, through all of that, he was the worst one, Scripture says. Out of all of it, he was the worst king of Israel that they had. He was the worst individual. And I'm not going to get into all of it, but you can go back and you can read it. And, and I believe it's in chapter 14 and 15 um, that it speaks about the uh, kings of Israel and what they accomplished and what they didn't accomplish. But if you even look at Zimri, he only lasted seven days. That's how bad it was. There was a corpsman in the World War II. His name was Desmond Doss. He was a non-combatant who rescued men. They actually made a movie about him. I believe it's Hacksaw Ridge. His religion forbid him from carrying any gun or threatening any human being with their life. He was bullied by other soldiers so he was thrown into the field as a medic. So in Okinawa, uh, when the U.S. invaded uh, Japan, they went up on this cliff and they were surprised. The Japanese were waiting for him. They, were, they knew they were coming. They were waiting for him. Uh, the U.S. did not have good cover and his squad was violently attacked. Um, but Doss stayed after the retreat was given on this cliff. While the rest of his platoon dropped down to safety, he stayed. And amidst, through gunfire, Doss was able to save between 50 and 75 of his fellow soldiers, dragging them one by one, lowering them off the cliff through a harness that he rigged to safety. Um, later, uh, after that, uh, President Truman presented him with the Medal of Honor. The courage that that young man must have faced of knowing that he was going up into hostile territory with no 
means of defending himself from a threat that wanted him dead. In the same manner, Elijah stepped out in faith amidst a king, a nation that was not happy with him because we just spoke earlier of it that he came, told Ahab, it's not going to rain for three years. So who's gonna, who do you think is going to get Mr. Popularity? It was not Elijah. And God drew him back and drew him into safety outside of the city that you can read in that in chapter 17 and drew him to a brook and, and fed him and kept him while water was still coming in a brook and he had actually had birds bring him food. They met the needs even in the small things, and he protected him. So Elijah just goes, and he steps out in faith. He goes because God has been faithful in the little things, his protection, his provision, and his shelter. And I just, said, I just spoke about that in, in verse 17. It talked about he pulls him out of the city to where the people wouldn't be hunting him, hunting him and they couldn't find him, and he took him to a brook, and God provided food, water and shelter and even when the brook dried up from the three years because it did not rain God drew him to a widow and he sought shelter and protection there and that's where you see in the scriptures where her son dies and he brings he calls on God to restore the child back to life and give him back to his mother See, in Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. See, Elijah knew something. He had that inclination. He had that built into him that where I go, God's going to go with me. He's going to protect me. Because he did it in the little things, he's going to do it in the big things. He met him where he was at, what he needed. Joshua 1.9 Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you... That promise from God is still here today. It doesn't say that things will be great, that your day will be easy, that your life will be on cloud nine. But it does say, wherever you go, I will be with you. And don't worry about it. Be strong. Be courageous. When you face that battle, when that medical <clears throat> when the doctor comes back in and says, look, it's not good. Stand strong. Be courageous. Be courageous. Be courageous. He has not given us a spirit of fear. He has not given us a spirit of fear. That is not of God. He wants you to stand up. 
put on your armor of God and face the things that we face. Irene Sandler. It was back when Germany invaded Poland. There was a small town in Poland that was walled in and they called it the ghetto. And she was a social worker that got her papers and her credentials to become a nurse. And she would go into this ghetto and she would bring medicine and she would sneak in food to these people that were in this concentration camp. But that's not even... I mean, that in itself, her bringing them food and medicine to try to help them and heal them, that wasn't even the most impressive thing about that story. Is that When she would leave, she would sneak children out. She would sedate them. She would either put them in a toolbox or in a sack bag, throw it under a bunch of stuff, and drive her truck out. And through that period of time, she was able to sneak out and save 2,500 children from the Nazis, from a death camp, basically, get them, changed their names, got them moved around into their uh, underground railroad, so to speak, and get them to safety. Now, the Nazis did find out. They broke her legs. They put her in a concentration camp, and she survived. But when she got out, she had taken every name and every child that she had saved. And she had their name written down in a jar and she buried it in her yard. But to the last day that she died, she tried to reunite the kids with the family members that survived. Being impossible because most of their parents died. But the courage that that had to happen in her life to say there is injustice and I will not stand for it. This is wrong. We have got to do something about it. These are just some stories of people that decided to stand up and call out what is not working, what is not right. And my my. My statement, though, today is, do we need Elijah's to call out what is not working? And when I say that, please hear me. You are not all Elijah's. I am not Elijah. Elijah is a prophet with a special calling on God, from God on their life to live a holy and consistent life. But when we see those individuals... When we see that individual that has that spirit of Elijah on them and they're calling out evil, we back them. We get behind them. We do the right thing. The late Billy Graham. Actually, I jumped ahead of myself. Sorry. It says, God makes us courageous. The late Billy Graham says, Courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spine of others stiffen. And in these uncertain, ungodly times, the world needs more men, like Graham described. Men that will be willing to stand for what is right, to stand for what is good, and to stand for the good of others. So, if 
if we're to stand for the good of others, what does that look like in your life? What does that look like where you're at? God shows his power. When Elijah calls out the false prophets and the teachings, Elijah tells the people to pick a side, to stop sitting on the fence. See, it's easy for us to sit there when things are going bad and sit there and say, well, God is good, God is good, God is good. He will protect us and he will protect us and he will protect us. But when there is indignation and when there is evil in this world, We can't sit back idly to say, well, God's going to do something. God's going to show up and do something. I'm just waiting for God to do something. Well, God did it 2,000 years ago, people, when his son died on the cross. And when we accept him as our Savior, and when we believe, and we accept that, we become messengers of the truth. And we are to stand up for the truth. See, Elijah calls out the false teachings and the prophets and he gathers them. He gathers them to the pinnacle. And Mount Carmel was the pinnacle. He said, let's do this. Your faults, my God is real, I'm going to show you. If you think your God is God... Show him. Let him do his thing and let me do my thing. But as he's sitting there and as he confronts the people of Israel along with the prophets and Ahab, how long? How long are you going to... Well, today I'm going to be for Baal because we're going to pray for rain. But today, you know, I think I might be before God because God's in my heritage. Today, I need a little bit of money. So I think I'll just pray to Baal. Getting a little sick. Maybe I need to pray to God for good health. So he's calling them out. He's, he, he's saying, pick a side. Who are you, gonna, who are you gonna serve this day? Revelations three fifteen through 16 says, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. With it, you would either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's a warning. That is a warning from God. How many of us drink that nice, hot, lukewarm cup of coffee in the morning? It's either going to be hot or cold. I don't know many people that just drink at room temperature. I don't drink coffee because it's, but my wife will drink it straight hot. She'll drink a couple cups in the morning and, and she'll be good. But I think my daughter, she likes her coffee ice cold. I don't know many that will drink it just lukewarm. God shows his power, and the victory is already won. 
Elijah comes after he is protagonate and just egged on uh, the other side of, hey, call on your God. Let's see what your God can do. Is he doing anything? Is he awake? Is he asleep? Is he on a journey? Is he traveling? Come on, let's do this. What's he doing? So Elijah says, okay, my turn. So before he even encounters God, before he even encounters uh, Israel or the other prophets, he declares victory. And he does this by rebuilding the altar that was torn down. And he takes 12 stones, each from one tribe of Judah, and rebuilds the altar in the name of the Lord and dedicates it. And he doesn't just stand there and go, well, you know, I'm just going to throw some wood. We'll cut up the bull. We'll see what happens. Elijah goes, no, let's see what we can really do here. So he digs a trench around the altar. He saturates that offering with water to leave no doubt. Because an offering is not going to catch fire. Wood is not going to catch fire if it's soaking wet. God's holy fire falls down and consumes the offering. Not just the bull that was sacrificed. Not just the wood. The stones, the trench, the dust, and the water. God leaves no doubt when his power shows up in your life. There is no doubt that you can say, well... It was just a good diag- it was just a good doctor. He got rid of it all. Um, they put me on the right uh, regiment of medicine. Um, you know, uh, we we had that that aunt passed away that nobody knew, and and she sent us that inheritance. Um, it is got to be from God, about God, and all about what He's doing, and about His power. When His power shows up. There's no doubt. So what's God do? What's Elijah do? If his God and his power show up and his people repent and they see that and they call out to God, okay, there's got to be an extermination of what is evil. So he takes the false prophets, takes them down to the brook, and it doesn't say that Elijah and the people of Israel slaughtered the prophets. It says Elijah slaughtered him himself. Taking into your own hands what God has called you to do and be at this point in your life is priceless. To what God can do is it's priceless in, in the fact that God can use you. It doesn't matter what age you are, God can use you. If you have the heart of God, the mind of God, and allow God to use his power in through you to do what he wants to do. God answers. 
And so what we didn't read, if you go back in, in chapter 18, but what we didn't read about was after this had happened, there was a celebration. And Elijah goes to Ahab, go eat, celebrate, for God has come back to your people. And he does this, and Elijah doesn't, <clears throat> excuse me, Elijah doesn't just sit there and, and, and sit back with everybody else and say, look what God did. But he draws himself away from everybody to the, to the peak of Mount Carmel, and he falls prostrate. He gets on his knees, and he begins to pray. And he begins to pray. And he tells a servant, go look to the water. Go look to the sea. Is it coming? Not one time. Not twice. Not three times. Not four times. Not five times. Not six times. But seven times. Elijah sends a servant back to sea. And finally, God answers Elijah's prayer for water. It was not a gift, but more so, it was because you were faithful in the little and you became faithful and courageous to stand up for the indignation of the nation and you did the right thing, I will honor your prayer because I said it would not rain until you spoke again about it. And he honors it. It's not a gift. The rain is not a gift. But more so a cleansing for the nation. Because it wasn't just Elijah being there left. God allowed a faithful remnant to be used. Elijah, Obadiah. The hundreds that were saved in a, in a cave. But the 7,000 that remained faithful to God. See, God will always honor his people when there's a remnant of his people that are true to him. You can go back through everything in the past, Old Testament, look back. When there was destruction and death through Israel, there was always a small remnant of people that he saved, that he kept, that, he, that were still obedient to the word of God. And because of that, it began to rain on the earth from a three-year drought. God answers the prayer. James 5, 16 through 18. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And pray, and the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He's just like you and me. He's flesh and blood. He's not this spiritual being that came down from heaven to live a better life than us. Elijah was human. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, 
and the earth bore its fruit. Now, I know here lately, it hadn't rained a whole lot, and it had, hadn't rained for like two or three weeks. Can you imagine your life now, three years in, with no rain? Trying to prepare and trying to take care of livestock. Trying to take care of your family. The rain was not a gift. But more so, it was done out of the obedience from Elijah to God to step out in courage, to step out in faith, to step out against the indignation of the nation and to stand up against what was wrong against these false prophets, these false leaders. I mean, if we go, if you can go back in your paper and you can look, it says Ahab ruled for 22 years and his dad, I believe, Orem, rules for 12 years. We get bent out of shape when there's somebody that's, elected president for four years and we didn't like him but can you imagine his son getting in there for the next 22 see God is patient with you scripture tells us and shows us that time and time again our reflection today should have worn my glasses <laughs> is God able to use people today to call out ungodliness let me say that again is God able to use people today to call out the ungodly are there any bales in your life that are hindering you from hearing God and when I say that bale I don't like it but it's just how it is. In Scripture, it's capital B, but I always want to just label it as little b because there's one God. But there are things in our life that hinder us from hearing Him. And I ask you to this day, what prayer are you praying for God to answer? What is it that you want to just give it to Him today about? What are you struggling with? What are you fighting your flesh with over and over again what is it that you come to God you give it to him two days later you're back in it what is it in our nature what is it that we can't seem to just turn over and throw on the altar of God and say take this from me please I'm not saying everybody has to be an Elijah to hear from God. But what I am asking you, though, are you praying like Elijah? Are you praying for that? Can you pray for that? I don't see why not. So I know the message was short today. But a reflection is true, and this altar is open for any and all.
Is there something today that you need to battle with? Is there something that you need to stand up for? Is there something in your family you need to... Look, I'm going to stand for my family in this moment. Is there something in your life that you need to just... I'm done with this. I'm tired of it. We can't do this anymore. As Jared comes, and uh, I'll be up here today. Amy and Andy and Pam will be up here if you want prayer. We're going to go into a time of reflection and worship to God. The altar is open. If you do not want prayer, come to the altar. It's known that we'll let you be. We'll let you do your business with God there. But if you want prayer, if you want prayer, come this day. Don't let, it, don't let the sun rise again on another problem. Give it over to God. God come do what I want you to do
God just kind of clocked me in the head. I didn't even wrap this all together. But how does God bring revival? He brings revival when His people are faithful and step out in courage and repent and bring that to Him, which is causing a misconnection between you and God. So when our revival starts, it's got to restart in the heart of each individual. It's got to start in the hearts of his people to say, I was wrong. God, remove this. I'm coming back to you, Father. So if you want revival in your hearts, it's got to start with you. It can't, my revival can't start with my wife. It's got to start with you. But if you want to see change in our lives, you want to see change in your families, a revival has to happen in your own hearts so that God can show his power and that he can answer the prayers. We're going to sing the song again. Again, I'm just inviting you if there's anything up here that you have to deal with. Amy and Andy and Pam are up here on the prayer team. Myself is up here. If you want the altar. Let's bring revival in this nation. Let's bring revival in our homes. Let's bring revival in our jobs. But it has to start with you. It has to start with you individually.
Father God, we thank you for this day. God, that you would ignite in us a courage. That we would be faithful to step out. right now I pray an impartation of prayer to go upon the church right now God that you would prick our hearts Lord that you would just saturate us from our head to our toes Lord that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear and a heart to love Lord that we would stand up right now in a nation around us where things are crazy, things may be falling apart in our lives but God, that we would remain faithful and true to the course that you have set us a sail on. God, come do what only you can do. In your name that we pray. Go home, be blessed. Bless others. Reach out those. We love you.